All right, guys, welcome back to the Mission Whitetail podcast. Uh, Going to be me and Kevin today, and it is August 5th. Our season here in South Carolina opens August 15th, if y'all can believe that. It is going to be 100 degrees, 85, uh, 85% humidity, mosquitoes bigger than turkeys, and our crazy behinds are going to be in the woods hunting August 15th. That's unbelievable. I thought today uh, we'll, we'll talk about trail cameras because a lot of guys um, have their cameras out uh, or, or are putting cameras out in other parts of the, of the country now and kind of our strategy with trail cameras. And uh, I, had, I did a post the other day about wind and, you know, the, the kind of the buzz thing. You know, it's been around a long time. Um, about hunting the wind that, that gives the buck the advantage and you the advantage kind of getting on the edge of that that's a topic we'll talk about and then kind of just fill guys in with where we are in in the season and our prep for the opener and kind of what's going on and and you know particular bucks if there are any that we're, we're targeting and and that sort of thing um, so let's dive right in and talk about trail cameras you know <laughs> it's a it's a pretty debated topic you know a lot of guys want to keep their cameras out on the edges away from everything and just do an inventory and they go okay i know that buck is here um now i'm going to use terrain woodsmanship and funnels and that sort of thing to kill him um and, and that's a real safe play um i happen to be different than that and i think you are a little different than that too I run as many trail cameras as I can get my hands on, and I put them around my stands, in my area. I want live, real-time footage. I run as many of the cell cams as I possibly can get. And I realize, uh, you know, we, we did a post about that, or I guess Adam and I, we were talking about that last time. And Adam Hayes is kind of the same way. He, he wants the live information, and to me, the risk is worth the 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 potential issues Mm -hmm. you know i I get it that some deer are going to smell them you know mature bucks may see them may spook out of there uh that that obviously does happen and i'm sure that's happened to some deer that i've hunted um but but the risk is worth the reward and it, it has really worked for me especially here in south carolina and unpacking that a little bit the, the swamp area that I hunt is about 3,500 acres, and it is all cut over, hardwoods, river bottom, and old-growth planted pines. And, you know, we're talking eighth of an acre food plot for every 700 acres. I mean, it, it is this massive bedding area, big woods. And if I just put cameras on the edges – I'm not going to get the intel that I need because they really do bed in different areas. Um, on some of the smaller properties that I, that I hunt, um, I still have cameras that are on the trails or the feeding areas that you know I could actually shoot with my bow. I mean, I could shoot it from my stand because I want that live intel. Now, I know some guys are going to disagree with that, and I get why. Um, talk a little bit about you know kind of I'll go into the strategy of where I put them and you know throughout the year but talk a little bit about you know what your thoughts are on that I mean my biggest thing I guess that's both of ours is you know 
finding them in the first place. And then once you find them in that main core area, whether it be on mineral or you just find his bedroom, I want to know at all times pretty much when he's in there. So I'll, I'll put like one or even two in two different areas where I know, or at least I think I know he's coming into that core area. And then I'll, you know, depending on how close it is the season, I'll backtrack them to see where he's coming in and out of there. And I'll try to put cameras on trails or we don't really have pinch points or anything in the South. I'm, um, but you know, trails and some kind of edge, whether it be the, you know, thick briars or something on the edge of some, some planted pines or whatever. But, um, I'll just kind of start, you know, scattering them out from, it's almost like a spoke like adam said spokes from the hub and and then you kind of narrow it down from there i'm pretty sure that's or i think that's how you do it as well yeah well, i mean you the, a lot of the deer though you know they, they won't come in the same way because there is no funnel um you know they, they'll browse along edges and that, that's a tactic i think we both use a lot especially when it gets later in the year and they, they start you know, looking for the does and stuff, the edges between the cutovers and, and whatever, or even if it's it's pines. Like I've got a spot right now that I found it the other day. I mean, I've hunted this property for a long time, but, you know, it's it's big, and I found it the other day, and it's it's a, a new cutover, hardwoods and pines, and right on that edge is a big community scrape. And for us to find community scrapes, we just don't find a lot of them. And it's being worked now in, in velvet. And it's, I mean, it, it's a spot where I've, if I have the time and I can put into that spot, I will kill a deer. And I, guess what? I will probably dump a trail camera on that scrape. And I, I'm kind of on the fence with that because I know it's a good spot and I don't have to booger it up. I literally could just go in there and hunt it. And I feel confident that I could kill a deer off of it. But I do want to know what's coming in there. So, you know, it's, it's always a give and take. Um, and, and it's just I understand why guys want to put them on the edges less human intrusion and I, I probably that, that's something that Don Higgins always talks about is and we're going to get him on the podcast here soon um, and, and he and I can do some more arguing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know human intrusion is a bad thing Yeah, we get it and in certain areas like where we hunt we have to do it we have to get in um and 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 get off the bench and get in the game and and we have to get the cameras out and get as much intel as we can possibly get um you you know going back to strategy if you will you know july 15th around then is when i try and get out as many as i can get Mm -hmm. um and, and what i do there is it's a blanket approach i will put you know 20 cameras out carpet bomb them absolutely carpet that's a good way to put it and every week move them yep change them and i'll i'll have mineral i'll have corn piles i'll have everything that's possibly legal put them on any kind of food plot salt licks anything i'm trying to find a big deer to hunt as we get closer like right now last weekend i went out and I, I took them out of the dead areas where it was just does and hogs. That's another problem that I have. A yeah. tremendous amount of the hogs are awful. I mean, they are terrible. terrible. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. They've killed 400 in that swamp this year, and it has not dented them. I swear you kill one, and it's like, they're like gremlins. Yeah, you shoot. they just multiply. Yeah, yeah. They literally do, though. It's crazy how bad they are this year. But I, I kind of derailed us. 
so right last weekend, I pulled them off, and I've, I found four good mature bucks. You know, for South Carolina, they're good deer. Um, you know, a lot of the guys in the Midwest, I just got back from Adams and, and Ben Rising's houses, yeah. and they've got 12 and, 12 and 15 Boone and Crockett's hanging yeah, up there. Yeah, it hurts your feelings it, a little bit. Yeah, and, and, you know, for our opener and stuff, we've got these 115, 120-inch swamp bucks, but they're they're smart. Studs. They're, they're hard to hunt, and, and they educate you like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. You, you learn to play the game hunting these crazy deer that we have to hunt here. But back, back to the strategy – so now, or last weekend, I pulled all the cameras out of the dead areas where I was getting nothing and started pulling those in. Like, there's one example. There's a bean field, um, and there, there have been two mature bucks that I've seen kind of back off the bean field. Mm-hmm. Now I've got three cameras along the edge of that bean field. I don't have corn piles or anything out because the hogs are, are eating them, um, and I'm trying to get where those bucks are coming into those beans. Now, the field is big enough that I can get down there in glass, and I have gotten two of them, um, or it was a, a, a double, two, two, it was a bachelor herd of just two bucks. So I guess I don't know if you can call that a herd, but it was two, two bucks, one very mature one, one so-so, and I, I got them coming into the beans, one picture of them. It wasn't like every night they were coming out of the same spot, but at least I know they're getting in there in daylight, and so my plan will be to continue running that where the other deer are. I'm moving all my 20-something cameras in on those four particular bucks because it's getting to be, I mean, we're 10 days away. Today's the 5th of August, so in 10 days we'll be hunting. And probably next weekend I will start glassing those beans. Um, if we back up just a minute talking about human intrusion, one thing I will say is I probably would not be nearly as aggressive with my cameras if they weren't the cell cams. Yeah. If I was having to go in every day, or not every day, but once a week and pull the cards, you know, I probably would not do that. Now, I did say just a minute ago that I'm in there moving them. But if I get a, you know, if I get a big deer on one of the cell cams, I leave it. Yeah, you're not going I'm back not to going the same that, spot. Exactly right. Yeah. Whereas if I had to go in there and pull that card, oh, my God, there he is. Right. Well, then in five days, is he still there? I need to go check that card. Whereas with those cell cams, and I tell you, I'm not, not to do plugs here uh, for different companies, but, you know, Spartan – in, in my opinion, is the top of the food chain in the cell cam business or the ones that I've tested. Yeah. And they've got that Go Cam now, this one ninety nine. I mean I mean their their Go Live is is three fifty and that, that's expensive, but they've got one now called a Go Live that's $199. You know, that that was less expensive than what we used to play for the regular S D card cameras. Yeah. So that's a heck of a deal. I I will also tout out the Tacticams. Yeah. I mean, I've been running that little thing um, for since we did our trail cam test, and it, man, it's bulletproof. Yeah, I meant to tell you um, when I went and scouted a little bit in Kentucky last weekend, I took two of those Tacticams with me, and I was in a spot I didn't even have cell service, and I was like, "Well, here you, here we go." And my buddy Justin goes, "Oh yeah, did you get the Verizon one?" Sorry, Justin, and he goes. Yeah, I forgot to tell you, you need AT&T here. And I said, son of a... So we're on the 
texting back and forth with his uh, Tacticam buddy and da-da-da. Long story short, I'm like, let's just send it, dude. So we get out there, and I find two good creek crossing areas and turn them on. They got freaking service and my phone don't yeah I was like and they're sending me pictures right now so that's freaking you haven't shared awesome. any of those pictures I there's nothing worth seeing oh right now. the story i boy <laughs> i've never heard that before yeah it's nothing i'm not yeah, getting anything Jack goes, i want to come to kentucky <laughs> yeah let me see what you year. got <laughs> uh but okay so that that's kind of early season is is you know moving into that deer because they are on those strict patterns mixing in some glassing where you, where it's available to which, do yeah which is very rare for us to be able to glass anything it is i've got one big field that has beans in it and i'm gonna be able to slip in off of a road and it's bulletproof but the other little small food plots there's no chance it's so thick around the places we hunt we turn our binocs backwards <laughs> Like to a get them away from us. burn ants and, yeah. and make them look further than they are. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Just uh, feels like we're doing something with them. <laughs> Turn them around. So you're that. taking all your cameras once you find good deer and you're bringing them down on their their yeah. hub to kind of. I'm I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to try and figure out how they're navigating in daylight. Yep. And for us, it is not a science because they can, you know, you hear guys use this as an excuse, but they literally can bed anywhere. Yep. It is so thick. And guys that don't believe me, come down to the Congaree Swamp and check it out and you'll see what I'm talking about. But they can they can bed in lots of places. So what, what we have to do is concentrate on what they're eating. And what we're fighting there is hogs. And then browse because there's browse everywhere. It's it's cutovers and browse everywhere. And then some of these farms are burnt, so there's you know new growth coming up there. And then the food plot, so it, it is challenging. But anyway, get the text cams or the cell cams into the area on the different trails and try and pick him up in daylight. And and I've gotten three of the four bucks that I found. I've gotten three of them in daylight. So I have real good areas or ideas now of where I'm going to set up. Two of them, I'm going to be able to glass where they're feeding. The other one is that little corner area I was talking about that has a community scrape. He was right there in daylight, but he's been hit and miss. You know, he's been in and out of there, and that's going to be hunted on the hunted on the on the right wind. And you know, it's going to take some luck to get him. And like we were talking earlier. Um even if you do have a you know one camera in his core area and you think you know where he's coming in you need a couple more cameras on that core area because depending on the wind and him circling downwind i've i've seen you know i'll have it in the main mineral lick area and then they're coming in left to right and i got another camera 50 yards from there and he's coming in from the complete opposite direction and that's that's the testament of betting, right? Yep. He 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 was wandering around over here, and he just laid down in a thicket. He was wandering around on the other side. He laid down in the thicket. And I mean, obviously, it's going to be places he feels safe, places with really good escape routes. I mean, he's just not flopping down. I mean, there, there's a thought process going through his mind when he does that. And this is all relative too. It's it's not like, I guess, in the Midwest where it's more open ground, you don't you don't maybe have to use as many trail cameras but it for us it's so thick in the south that we need to freaking pile just about them out litter it litter them out there 
And then after, after you know, we get into early season, they shed their velvet. They, they start to break up out of those bachelor groups. That's when, personally, I go to scrapes. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big mock scrape guy, big, you know, natural scrape guy. I started to – I've got some rope out here. I was going to put some rope scrapes out, but, <laughs> I mean, it smells He's been like – saying a, that for – I feel like six months now. It smells like a chemical plant, man. I mean, there's yeah. no buck that will come. I've left them out. I've done everything. I've weed-eated them. I've done everything <laughs> you can do to them. And I can't – so I, I was talking – Don Higgins loves a deer lure, um, Smokey's Deer Lure, and then there's another company called Raw Sense mm-hmm. that does a really good job. But talking to Smokey about these ropes and this chemical smell that's on them, and he said to get like one of those big – Ziploc bags, like the 15-gallon one, one of the great big ones, mm-hmm. or I guess even a trash bag, put baking soda and water in it and let them soak in that baking soda, and that will suck the chemical out. But anyway, scrapes, natural scrapes, mock scrapes, that's where I will deploy most all of my cameras, you know, for, for the once they – as soon as they get out of that summer feeding pattern, shed their velvet and break up, um, I, I just – I love scrapes, and, and mature bucks are going to use those scrapes. And so that, that'll be where they go then. Um, and then we, we really don't get a cold enough winter down here to really go back to food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like you're going to get four inches of snow and, and um, you know, they're going to start pounding food again. And, and our rut's crazy, man. I mean, I've had active scrapes. I mean, I, I've seen fawns that were just born, mm-hmm. and I've seen fawns that were, are already out of spots. Yeah, last last year I was I was sitting in the stand and it was like late December and I heard grunting and chasing. So yeah, it, it's so sporadic and stretched out. It you can't really even hunt the rut. Yeah, I mean, or or, or it just keeps going. Yeah, you know, and and so keep them on scrapes. Our season goes out January first. You know, we're obviously talking about the South. Tactics are different you know i am going to kansas monday to get six cameras out there and hang a couple stands and there i will be hanging or or the cameras on pinch points um Mm -hmm. you know in kansas there's a couple established mineral sites so i'll dump one or two in there and then i'm going to go ahead and put some in to some real rut type funnels um because i i i'm hoping the deer in kansas is still alive and if he is you know that that Again, that cell camera is going to tell me if he comes through there one time, you know, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm headed out there. So, obviously, the tactics in the Midwest for cameras are, are a little bit different. Um, and, again, guys, I, I understand why people put them on the edges, why they don't want to dive into the good spots with them, um, and, and that, that does make sense, you know. But for me, again, the risk is, is, is worth, you know, the, the reward. Yeah, you you got to get in the game, and I think you know if you do it right, and you do it even ahead of time, you know. You, I, my opinion, you're gonna mess them up more if you're sitting on the outside and you just burn that spot up versus if you just go in there and maybe even play the wind, go in there with the wind in your face, put the cam out where you need it, and just get out of there until he starts showing up. That, 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 you know, that's, that's a really good point, and, and I put that actually in that social media post the other day, is <clears throat> I'm trying to do as little, believe it or not, hunting, actual hunting as I possibly can. 
and the cameras afford me mm-hmm. to do that. If I'm going in and out during prime time, you know, I'm, I'm in the afternoons. I'm, I don't know what's there. I'm just going in on a whim. This, you know, is a is a edge. I'm going to hunt it, and I'm breaking down during during prime time in the evening and, and walking out of there, and I'm having to hunt, 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 hunt. That's burning it up way more than going in in the middle of the day and moving a camera around and getting live intel. So that that's something to think about too, guys, is, you know, a lot of guys are, are anti-camera. You know, they, they're like, this is cheating. It's not ethical. I'm not going to get into that, obviously, at all right now. But, um, you know, if, if you're burning your, your spots up because you don't have intel, that's going to hurt them more than going in and moving those cameras around. All right, I, I feel like we, we beat the camera thing here pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good camera talk there. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. What else we got? Wind. Oh, wind, boy, wind. <laughs> All right, so wind. Probably the most important thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the number one defense. Um, a lot of guys know this, and and – but but I will revisit it because we we have some new guys that are that are hunting, and that you hear a buzz buzz phrase about hunting the wind that's good for him and good for you, and what is what does that exactly mean? Let's unpack that real quick. So what that basically means is you're assuming that a deer in the afternoon, we'll use that as an example, is bedded in a spot, mm-hmm. and for him to get up and walk, he's going to want to have the wind in his face or at least a quartering wind, and you're, you're thinking about where he is going. So we'll, we'll keep this example really simple. <clears throat> he is getting up out of his bed, and he is going to a bean field to eat. A big mature buck, most of the time, wants to have a quartering wind or a wind in his face when he's going to that bean field because it makes him feel safe. So what you try and do is get right on the edge of that wind, where he can still get the wind and do his thing, but you're off of it just enough that he can't smell you. And so he, and that's the bulletproof plan, and that is, that is the perfect plan. But I will be the first person to tout that that is not always the case. I shot a eight-and-a-half, nine-and-a-half, arguably, buck in Kansas last year. Big mature buck had been hunted a lot, and he came by me with the wind at his butt. Mm-hmm. He was walking with the wind. He could not smell me for anything. That buck wanted to go up into this CRP thicket and check for does. It was in the morning, and he or he was going back in there to bed. But I mean, it was the rut, and they were freaking going nuts. But and that's another thing, you know, maybe, you know, the rut can, can make them do stupid stuff, but um, I guess, you know, rut, it was pre-rut, but wind absolutely, at, and, and I've seen it time and time again, that, that they will get, they're going to go, a big deer is going to go where he wants to go, when he wants to go there. Yes, keeping the edge of the wind or that wind that's good for you, wind that's good for him, that's important. You know, that, that, that's a good tactic. It's a sneaky tactic. And it, it has worked, and guys have killed giants that nobody else has been able to kill using that tactic. I've killed one big one down here in South Carolina. I didn't even know I was doing it, though. But after I, after I shot him, I was like, wow, the, the wind 
was just off him because he, he had his nose to it, but I was just getting by him. And, and that's it. So, guys, when you maybe, – maybe we should do a diagram. We'll do a YouTube video or something and, and show how that works. Yeah, but just, just, it's hard to explain. It, it is. Just think about the deer laying in his bed – and getting up and going to the food plot because what everybody does is they go to the food plot and they they say okay I need a south wind blowing right in my face well if if you're thinking about that that's exactly how that buck's going to come in there so maybe you want a southeast wind if you know where he's bedding or a southwest wind so that he's still got all the south he needs but you're off the corner Yep. So instead of having the wind blowing dead in your face, which is, you know, most of the time a, a good tactic, right? You, you certainly don't want it blowing the other way. Um, but, but try and get on those edges when, when you can. But do not forget those deer are going to go where they want to go, and they absolutely will move with, with a dead wrong wind for them. I've seen it too many times for, for, for people not to, you know, think about that. Yeah, and some guys will hunt a, a food plot, and they'll be hunting, you know, within bow range of that trail, and they'll have the wind blowing from the food plot right in to where the deer is coming from because they don't want it blowing out and spooking the other deer, but he's smelling you before you even know he's there, so don't do that either. <laughs> that's it, and that's how you, you get on the edges. And, you know, I'll, early season I'll hunt right on food, right on the, right on the food. But, but it can be a one-and-done deal because you get 15 does out in the field and the buck doesn't show and you got to climb down and get out of there and he's right on the edge of the woods. You know, you can get somebody to come in and bump for you. But, but you know, that's really when you need that high percentage sit. When you, when you go all in there, you, you kill him that night or that evening. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other thing is most of the time I'm going to be off the food plot, off the food, you know, a couple hundred yards – and and hunt you know i think it was a guy by the name of miles keller that used to talk about hunting from the outside in and meaning that that you stay away and start creeping in to where the deer are and and early season you can definitely do that well we definitely got to do it down here because no i don't think i've ever seen a mature buck come out in daylight in in a food plot in south carolina you you about got to set up on them in the afternoon no near his bedroom that is for sure if you can find his bedroom which is tough tough to do all right so that, that's you know wind we've talked about that I, I really think even more importantly and and what messes up guys and there there have been a ton of podcasts on this uh thermals mm-hmm. and i'm not a thermologist <laughs> i don't think you are either kevin not a chance no. That's a new word that we can start <laughs> yeah, using. Yeah. Or thermologist. Thermologist. Yeah, we're thermologists. Uncle Ned's kids. It's okay. <laughs> Let us through. <laughs> so, thermals. A simple understanding of thermals. When the air heats up, thermals rise. Meaning in the mornings. When it's cold in the mornings and it starts to warm up, your thermals start to rise up in the air, which is great because then they can't smell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the opposite of that is the afternoons when the air starts to cool down, the thermals drop, and they will sink right down. Last year, I was hunting in-town spot, bunch of swamp, afternoons, had the south 
uh, east wind that I needed. Got in there at dark. The wind died, and I'm up on a hill, and the swamp's down in front of me. And what happened? I had two little bucks come in, and the thermals started switching and dropping, and they smell me. But you look at your phone, and it says southeast wind, Mm -hmm. but the wind has gone from zero to three miles an hour, and the thermals have taken over, and they're dropping right down. So what did I do? I climbed down and got out of there as fast as I could. So there's, again, there's a lot of good podcasts out there on thermals, and you you do need to have a good understanding of thermals. But that's a, a really simplified version. In the mornings, when it starts to warm up, the thermals are going to rise. In the evenings, when it starts to cool off, the thermals are going to drop. Now, there's lots of other things, you know, rivers, water sources, you know, where the, the air temperature around those are different or there's current. So there, there's a lot more to unpack there. But I think that's just a real simple understanding for guys to think about. You're looking at your wind direction. But then you're th- if you've got a swamp where you don't think stuff's coming from or a pond, you know, that's lower, that's going to suck those thermals down in the afternoon, it can play into your advantage. But I think most guys get screwed up by thermals. Yeah. I think um, thermal, yeah, they can really screw you and they can, they can make a, some spots bulletproof. I got a couple spots that, you know, I know the deer aren't going to come through there till you know, later to mid morning. And if it's a, if it's a light wind, even if it's the wrong way, I'll still hunt it. Cause my sense is going right up in there. It doesn't matter what wind direction it is. The, the wind's so light. Um, and then just like I said, it'll screw you. I, I look at the wind and thermals as like water. It just finds the easiest route, especially in the, in the afternoon when it starts dropping it'll find those little ditches in in ravines and go right down to to that bedding area or whatever and they'll screw you. I got screwed last year I had a perfect wind and then right at prime time the wind died and them thermals just started falling and I was dropping I used little down feathers as a wind checker and they were just getting sucked right down where I knew the deer were coming and sure as crap 15 minutes later blowing and then the the wind if you're hunting you know, uh, like a, I always take the wind checker with me when I'm setting up my spots, if I can preset them. And when I get up to my hunting height, if I'm hanging my sticks or whatever, I'll actually, I'll test the wind at the ground level. And then I'll test it when I get up in the tree, because sometimes it's stagnant at ground level. And then sometimes it's blowing just right up in the tree and, and I'll check it like that. Or if you're hunting on the edge of an opening and you got the, the perfect wind or you think you got a perfect wind, it be it could be coming in and hitting that hard edge of canopy and it just bounces that wind right back the way it came and it'll screw you that way. And that you gotta look at the wind speed and that'll all determine that too. And temperature and time of day. I mean I, again we, we could do a whole, maybe we should do a whole podcast on thermals and get a thermonologist in here, actually somebody, a meteorologist or an astronaut or somebody yeah. in here that's, <laughs> that, that knows more than you and I do, but yeah. we have a very rudimentary understanding. But th- the point is this, if the wind switches, if the thermals switch and they're screwing you and you see this, do not be stubborn. Get down yeah. out of the spot and go back to your truck. Get get out of there. 
I cannot tell, and I used to be so, oh, maybe, maybe you wish, you're wishful. Yeah. Right. You hope they're going to come from another direction. Oh, I'm just going to sit here. They may come from another direction. And 90% of the time, a big doe comes out, blows, screws you up. Don't be afraid to get down and get out of there. It's okay. It happens. I mean, I can't tell you last year the number of times I went to the swamp in the mornings and had the perfect wind on three different weather apps. I get into the swamp and it is the exact opposite. I'm there at 430 in the dadgum morning and I turn around and drive to the office. Yeah, it's just just part of it. Yep. I mean, so, so that's the point. Under, get an understanding of thermals. Hunt the edges of the wind when you can. Don't forget that a big buck's going to go the direction he wants to go, no matter what. And then if conditions change, get down and move. Get down and leave. I think that's the important thing with wind and thermals. Um, let's talk about where we are in the season, and we talked a little bit about our camera prep. Um, you know, from a equipment standpoint, you know, we, we're dialed, been mm-hmm. dialed a while. I did an elevation check and a windage check the other day. Um, I shoot one pin from zero to 30 yards. Uh, that's a 470 grain arrow going 297 feet per second. So I'm able to use, I'm about half an inch high from zero to 20. Then it starts to flatten out and I'm about half an inch low at 30. So for me, most of my shots are 30 yards and in. I love to be able to use one pin. Um, so that's And then I've got a 40 and 50, and I just did some verification on, on the elevations and did have to make a little adjustment on my 50. Um, but everything else was, was spot on. So our equipment is dialed. We're, we're shooting out of our tower now. We've got a tower at the office, and we move our – we've got five or six of these old junky targets. We need new ones. Yeah, we need Kevin's going to buy ones. us ten new Reinhardts. Yeah, That's yeah. the plan. He's <laughs> baby diapers or Reinhardt targets. Yeah, which uh, – yeah. Reinhardts, of course. Reinhardt. Yeah. So we – but – so what we're doing now is we're, we're in our tower and, you know, pulling the bow back, holding it for – 30, 40 seconds, not just pulling it back and shooting, pulling it back and shooting, moving the targets, different angles, quartering away, quartering two. Yes, I said quartering two. Mm-hmm. You can kill them quartering two. Um, Broadside, f- four yards, 50 yards, everything in between, odd yardages. Um, so that's the, I guess, the shooting training that we're doing now. Um, starting to, I haven't hung a stand yet. Um, because again, just fine tuning some things, but uh, you know, next weekend I will probably hang two or three stands, um, for, at a, out of potentially kill trees. And then I obviously will have my mobile set up ready to go. Um, this weekend it's one more fine tune mm-hmm. of the cameras. Next weekend will be a couple, depending on what those cameras tell me, I will get some stands hung middle of the day. Uh, and then I will start doing the glassing on a couple of those big fields. That's kind of where I am. Again, I've, I've you know, found four you know, good mature bucks for South Carolina, nothing gigantic, um, but some, some good I – mean, one big five-and-a-half-year-old coal buck. Uh, he's only a six-point. Uh, what about you, Kev? What are you doing? Oh, so I just got done tinkering a little bit around with my site. I, you can swap out those site housings real easy on the – on the uh why are you shaking your head <laughs> you already know yeah so i need to get my freaking eyes checked but i shoot so much better for some reason and it's long range which we shoot zero to 30 anyway so it doesn't really matter but 
I shoot so much better when I was shooting the, the single pin that um, I was trying out. So I swapped over to do that. And my bow, we don't, you know, I don't shoot a heavy arrow either, like four, 445, 450 total Perfect. arrow weight. Perfect. So it shoots plenty flat. And I shot a little bit and it shoots two inch. When I set the pin at 25, two inches high, maybe at 20 and in and then it's like two inches low at 30 and he's going to drop into that at 30 anyway so um and then i got where the little hack i don't know if anybody's ever done it before but with that site it's a it's a black gold single pin it goes the pin and then there's a, a skinny post and then it kind of goes fat like the like a regular duplex crosshairs in a scope and I, I learned that if I hold right where that point, that skinny post goes to fat, is dead on at 40 yards. So I kind of got like a reference point there if it's, you know, light enough. Could you take some white out or something? I, I was actually going to shoot it at like 30 or 35 yards and take, um, I have like a white Sharpie and just put a tiny dot there as another another reference. But I'm, I'm still in the beginning stages, but I'm shooting really well with it. And then... Um, I'm just still kind of running cameras. I don't have a whole lot of text cameras. Um, so, but the few I do, I'm checking those. I got them in some pretty good spots. Um, but none of my deer worth killing really show up in my, in my spots till early to mid October anyway. So I have one set of sticks put up, but I'll probably end up moving them anyways. I bounce around a lot with the as with the saddle, as you know. Yep, that, that's a good point that you said uh, that we should touch on br- briefly. Is that your deer don't show up until October? Um, a, a interesting fact is when you're hunting around ag, uh, you know, normally they rotate the crops. Mm-hmm. You have beans one year, corn the next, and it's so funny. My in town spot, um, it it feeds out to a big ag area and when there's corn planted in there they love to bed out in that corn and they will not come in to where i can hunt until october-ish yes at mid whenever they cut the corn is when they come in when it's beans they're up in there immediately like i could kill one opening day august 15th like last year they were right there i could have killed one right off the rip uh this year i've got two cameras in there and I have gotten a doe and a fawn, but I know just like what you said on one of your spots, they're coming. You know, it'll be October. So something to think about, guys. If when the when the crops rotate, that can completely change something. You know, one year, you know, you, you've got a big deer in an area. The next year, you're heartbroken. You think he got killed. What's well, you know, it could be because the crop switched, yep. and then the following year he'll be back. Um, so, so that's something you know just to consider. Yeah, and it could be. I- I know for a fact one of my spots because I'm not even near ag in my one little spot, but it's every year like clockwork around that mid to early October they a shooter buck or two shows up and I think it's just like a pre rut little funnel area that they they kind of get out of their summer pattern and they start hitting that because I always got does. What about acorns? You get oh yeah that that that's another thing the the white oaks and red oaks they just start yeah usually every year no matter if it's a drought or what they're still raining them down in yep. there so. so it's a key spot man 
yeah lots of food um you know that time of year um so we hit trail cameras we hit wind briefly talked about thermals went through kind of where we are um i am headed to kansas i think i mentioned um monday with a buddy of mine gonna go hang four stands on two different properties and get six cameras up and you know kind of monitor in kansas uh you know it's it's getting to be that time of year i mean you know we're, we're august 5th we're 10 days away from the opener here um hopefully be heading up to alberta the first of september for their opener um, i know you got some stuff going in kentucky mm-hmm. so you know it won't be long before we'll be on this podcast talking about what's going on and hopefully yeah, hope, you have a deer or two today. i was gonna say hopefully we got some in the salt should we um drop a few little hints on what what we're going to be releasing osseo wise here yeah soon? We, yeah we could do that um absolutely we've got we actually did a photo shoot this morning um we've got some solid color vest black and charcoal really cool looking vest um we've got a dark brown pair or khaki pair of our midweight pants guys like the yeah. pants they're so comfortable um you know we've gotten a ton of requests for guys that that want them you know just to wear casually so we've got a gray pair and then a dark khaki pair yeah i'm i'm excited about those just for like when we were hanging the stand and stuff for the photo shoot i mean that's going to be awesome for just wearing to scout and and things like that and you can just wear them out casually oh yeah i will be for sure that'll be that'll be my uniform yeah yeah that's all we'll be wearing yeah (laughs) for sure um next we've got some all camo dry fit t-shirts uh we we do have a segment that that do not like the hood and face mask obviously we love that because it's built in and and a lot of guys do but some guys in the south just wanted you know a dry fit moisture wicking all camo long sleeve performance fabric t-shirt to wear early season and you you could wear it you know i would wear that long sleeve shirt because the the fabric is so moisture wicking yeah i would wear that uh, as a base layer Mm -hmm. um, especially if i've got a long way to you know pack in and a couple of the spots in kansas are pretty decent walks so i I would consider wearing that as a base layer Um, and then then probably the most exciting thing this year um, other than the solids are these sherpa bibs yeah I mean, they're going to be they're jam up. I'm talking about, you know, easily get down into the 20s with, with uh, you know, normal base layers. It's basically our late season bib, and we just took the uh, Prima Loft insulation out of them and lined them with Sherpa fleece. So they're still ultra warm, 100% windproof, and they're built just like our late season bibs. Um, so that, that's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about those because – you know, I'm always doing the old hang and bang. So by the time I walk all the way to any of my spots and I hang my crap, I'm sweating so bad. And I never really, I wore the Sherpa pants a couple times, but it kind of kept me from doing it because by the time, you know, I don't want to try to put them on at the tree because then I got to take my boots and all that off. And you and I, we both wear the lace up boots yep. when we're walking far. Um, and it's just a pain in the butt where those full zip bibs, them things will be awesome. Just slide them right on over everything. Yeah, yeah. So that that's going to be a good, a good ticket 
Um, and then, then, you know, we've got everything else. Uh, we'll be back in stock here in a couple weeks. Most everything is in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backpack is, is back. I cannot believe the, the feedback and, and the uh, – we, we should have tripled our order. Yeah, you better get your pre-order in if you want a backpack. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's as fast as we can build them. Those things are selling. So we've got – a resupply of those coming in and I, I'm just really excited about the year and you know obviously a lot of the guys that listen to the podcast are, are fans of Osseo and they, they like our camo and I just want to say thank you yeah you know I mean you know the, the guys believe in it as much as we do and you know it's come a long way we're going into our third season and you know just blown away at how the the market has received it the success guys are having with it yeah. i mean the, the the guy from michigan calls once a week yeah you know at first <laughs> he, it was driving us crazy but i mean he 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 called several times last year it's like i have to have the it was late, like crack yeah the, the the late season jacket overnighted to me i wore a different jacket out there they saw me in the tree um so it's just it's it's i'm humbled or, or we are at at the the response we've gotten from the Osseo line and we you know we're already working on some stuff for next year that's going to change the industry as far as I'm concerned yeah um you know there's some bow hunting stuff that that we have learned you know developing this line that is just going to completely change things um, you know, hopefully we'll have some of those prototypes in. I was going to say, can you think I could get one of them <laughs> prototypes from yeah. it? <laughs> we, we, we're definitely going to hunt in them some this year and get them squared away. But, it, you know, it, it's it's exciting times, and, you know, we appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, it's freaking – it's crazy between, you know, the from the August when we first started, the first year we – we started to this August. The support is just off the charts. Yeah, it's so, it's crazy, and the phone calls and the emails. It's it's awesome. And, and we, you know, we wanted to make a business out of this, but it really there really was a gap there. It was a gap between real high end clothing and a real good camouflage pattern. And we we filled the gap, and and it's you know guys are seeing it and hunting with it, and and most importantly to me is. I love it when I get the Instagram messages, the Facebook messages, the emails, and a guy's holding his biggest buck. Yep. You know, he's, he's head to toe in ICO. You're talking about heartwarming. Yeah, and it ain't even just deer. I, I can't tell you how many times guys called during the spring, and they're like, I was sitting on the ground and, and called in 10 hens, and they about stepped on me, and they, they didn't even know I was there. just <laughs> walked off. I'm like, dang, this stuff works. That's yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you all so much. We enjoyed today. Uh, As always, any questions, hit us up. Uh, Happy to answer, happy to help. Uh, Any feedback, anything you guys want us to visit with, probably going to have Ben Rising on the next one, Big Buck Killer out of Ohio. Uh, Whitetail Edge is the name of his his business, and I was visiting with him Wednesday night, and he's a a big buck killing machine. So we'll get him on the podcast next, and, and guys, Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.